Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. You're listening to Hurt at Sports Radio. It was it was kind of a it was kind of super sweet and nice the way you got the call and you when you when you see Cooperstown Cooperstown and the phone call and then yeah kind of settled in okay man I think you are gonna make the Hall of Fame so <laughs> it was it's really nice. Wrapping up the show here on a Thursday on Hurt Out Sports Radio, AM 590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. I'm Ravi Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We are joined now by Bob Nightingale. He is not only a Major League Baseball columnist for USA Today, he's also a Hall of Fame voter, which is very good timing considering the events of this past week. Bob, how are you this morning? Yeah, doing great. Thanks. Bob, we appreciate you joining us. Obviously, the Hall of Fame class of Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer, at least in terms of players, was voted on this week. Any surprises in your mind in terms of Joe Maurer just sneaking in over that 75% threshold or maybe a Billy Wagner coming in just under it? Um, you may now where the fact <clears throat> made the fact that he got in on the first ballot in the sense where you know he only caught you know nine hundred twenty one games he was almost uh he'll play as many games as, as first base at DH. you know, or he was only averaging about six seven home runs uh, a year so the fact that you know he joins uh you know Johnny bench and Pedro Rodriguez as the only catchers uh, to be first ballot hall of famers you know it's kind of a staggering set. Uh, Bob, you know, as I think about first ballot future Hall of Famers, especially at the catcher position, uh, growing up a Cardinal fan, do you think Yadier Molina will be a first ballot someday? He should be. Uh, I think he's a, uh, I think he'd go down as, you know, maybe the greatest defensive catcher we've seen. Uh, you know, just what he meant. Uh, and I, I certainly think the fact that Mauro went in first ballot that, you know, Yachty's got to go in first ballot with a higher, per, you know, uh, vote total. So I, I definitely think uh, I definitely think he, he belongs as one of the best catchers who ever lived. We're talking with Bob Nightingale, uh, Major League Baseball columnist for USA Today, Hall of Fame voter. Bob, as you kind of look at some of the guys that didn't make it, there seemed to be sort of a push for Andrew Jones Meanwhile, a guy like Gary Sheffield, who I think was a better overall player, certainly a better hitter, um, maybe didn't have the same popularity, even though he ended up slightly ahead of Andrew Jones in the vote. Do you think guys like that have a chance to eventually creep their way into that Hall of Fame, that 75% number? Yeah, I think Andrew Jones will eventually get in. It's probably not going to be next year. I would think a uh, you know the year after, uh, you know, unfortunately for Sheffield, it's the last year on the ballot, so he had to go in by the veterans committee. I think really the only thing that hurt Sheffield was just spending that winter with uh, Barry Bonds mm-hmm. in uh, you know being the, in the Mitch report there. Um, you know, even though he says he used that cream just to 
you know, heal some uh, scar tissue. And uh, but yeah, I, I I voted for Sheffield every single year. I think he's outside bombs. I think his most dangerous, uh, you know, most feared hitter there there was around. I'm with you. I when I think about Gary Sheffield not being in and not having a, a, a true failed test to his name, but just uh, an accusation. It, it, it surprises me that, that Sheffield is probably, he probably goes down as the biggest loser on the ballot, if you can label somebody. Who would you say is the biggest winner on the ballot? Whether it's somebody that uh, made up some ground in the voting process, or even one of the three that got in. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anybody that had a uh, you know a staggering start that we saw, you know that you say you know a, a winner besides besides those three, uh, you know for a consolation prize. I mean Billy Wagner's got to think that you know he's disappointed the fact he's only uh, four votes short, five votes short. That okay, uh, you know he'll definitely get in next time, so he's got to be uh, happy about that. Otherwise, you know, I, I thought we'd see a bigger uh, jump for uh, Carlos Beltran, you know, than than he received. Uh, you know, other guys, uh, you know, in fact, you know, Utley comes in, you know, about thirty percent or so, which you know, was about what everybody expected. Uh, you know, maybe maybe some of the guys, that, if you want to see a winner, maybe a guy like Tory Hunter that just stayed in the ballot, mm-hmm. where once Jones gets in, it people may say, you know what, if Andrew Jones is in. You know, for his defense, everything else, maybe we should put in a hunter. Only had one less uh, gold glove, and uh, he might have had more home runs. I think. Hey, Bob. You know, I'm I'm thinking about next season a little bit too, and each Euro is going to get on the ballot. Uh, so far, we've only ever seen one unanimous um, Hall of Famer, and that's Mariano Rivera. Should each Euro be unanimous? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know by the greatest contact hitter, you know, we've ever seen. Uh, if he wanted to hit home runs, he could have done that too. You know, you put his stats from uh, Japan with it, he had more hits, you know, than Pete Rose. So, no, he's, he definitely should be a unanimous Hall of Famer. So hopefully someone doesn't say, you know what, I'll, I'll uh, use that vote for somebody else thinking he's going to get in anyway. Mm. He doesn't need to be unanimous. But, yeah, certainly he's, he should be unanimous Hall of Famer. He was that great. Bob, you know, you, you kind of got me thinking with talking about Joe Maurer and how um, only a couple catchers had made it on the first ballot. How much, in in your opinion, do you see guys kind of weigh how long a player's been on the ballot in terms of how they cast their vote? Because it's, it's not usually just as straightforward as, oh, I think this guy's a Hall of Famer. Isn't there a little bit of... Um, you know, there's a status to being a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? How much do voters, at least that you're aware of, sort of play with that that margin there? You know, I think it comes in effect. Uh, well, I, you know, I mean, obviously people change their minds so much. You know, for uh, when you look at the last two years, of Scott Rowland starting off like he did, uh, you know, barely even making it past the 5% the first time. Uh, Todd Helton, you know, checks in at 16.5%. So a lot of people change their mind in time uh, by just be just by hanging around the ballot. Uh, and I, I do think it, you know, in our case for me, I, I didn't think he was the first ballot guy, but I knew that in a couple of years, uh, hey, Buster Posey's going to be on the Hall of Fame ballot. If I vote for Posey, and you know, pretty much have to vote for Maurer. He had better numbers. He didn't have the three World Series rings, but you know that sort of thing. 
So I think it comes in people's mind, but I do think people are checking off more names now than ever before. Bob, kind of going along with that, you know, it, it, we were talking about this earlier with the Gary Sheffield versus Andrew Jones debate a little bit. Um, how much does the, I guess, the, the gravitas of a player outside of their numbers weigh into your sort of decision-making process? And, and I guess I just mean, like, the either impact they had on the game or, you know, a lot of people talk about ah, the most feared hitter of this era or whatever, but maybe they, uh, they didn't hang on as long, so their cumulative numbers aren't as good. How do you kind of weigh just the kind of the peak versus accumulation of a player and sort of the role they played in their era of, of baseball? Yeah, I mean, that's what uh, the Andrew Jones, I think that's what's hurt him. He just hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was so great there uh, in Atlanta. And then, you know, came to Dodgers. was about, you know, 25, 30 pounds uh, overweight. Uh, you know, released uh, early, about a year and a half in the contract. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like to have, uh, you know, at least 10 years or so uh, of dominance. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that, you know, come and go. I mean, people talk about Johan Santana. Yeah, he was great for a short bit. You know, so was Brett Sabering and, you know, David Cohn. But like to have the guys that were great for a long period of time. It would have been interesting when you know, everybody's talking about Adrian Beltre. Well, he was, you know, those five years in Seattle wasn't very good at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he had those five years at the end of his career, I don't think he would have nearly got the boat totally did. But he finished so strong. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I like both. I mean, I like a guy to have at least 10 years of dominance in, you know, in big-time numbers uh, as well, you know, whether it's a uh, – you know, close to 500 home runs, you know, that's in the, uh, the higher batting average the better. Bob, who's a player you watched growing up that you so badly want in the hall? Whether And maybe it's not just growing up, but just over the years. You've watched over the years that you so badly think should be a Hall of Famer. Well, the two guys I thought the base writers did injustice to was uh, Fred McGriff and Jack Morris. Mm. Uh, McGriff was so steady. He you know, got in on the contemporary era co- committee, but he should have got in by the writers. Uh, Jack Morris, you know, he was as big, uh, big-time pitcher as there was in the game and because he had a higher ERA. Didn't get in by the writers. You know, finally got in by the uh, veterans committee. Uh, the one guy I, I think that, yeah, that deserves to be in there is uh, Barry Bonds. You know, know, with all the talk of the uh, PDs and everything else. But I think you can make an argument that, you know, he's right there with Babe Ruth as one of the greatest players who ever lived. I mean, nobody nobody was a greater here than Barry Bonds. So I think he gets in one day, but I think it's going to take a while. You know, same with Clemens for that matter. But, you know, there was other great pitchers too besides Clemens. But Bonds was just so much better than everybody else. Bob Nightingale from the USA Today, Major League Baseball columnist and Hall of Fame voter. Bob, we appreciate you joining us this morning, giving us a little insight on that process, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bob. That's Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. Really interesting stuff there. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bonds guy through and through. Like, I get that, you know, I get the accusations. I get the, the steroids and everything like that. But... Again, just put a little... I tell people this all the time, Robbie. He still had to hit the ball. He still had to hit the ball. And, and listen... And, and what was the difference? Did you hit it 
Was it the difference of hitting at 330 and 360, or was it the difference of hitting at 400 and 450? Well, and listen, he was going up against pitchers that were on PEDs. How much different is it than Bob Gibson pitching from a higher mound for half hey, his career? Don't that's put a, that on that's Bob That's Gibson's a great point. Name. I love Bob Gibson, but listen, each, adva- each era had their advantages. We've got more Herd at Sports Radio tomorrow.